Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you're online today, thank you for joining us as well. We appreciate it so much. It's a good day to be in the house of God. It's a good long weekend to celebrate Jesus. Amen? It's good to celebrate in a short weekend, and a long weekend, and a regular weekend, right? Because he's good. Praise God. Praise God. You guys okay today? Are you happy to be in the house of God? Praise God. Praise God. I don't know why my service says I'm going to end at um, 1230 today, and that's not true. Um. We can make it true. I can tell you this. I'm not going to get through my message today. But we're going to do the best we can. And uh, go from there. Um, Well, Pastor Daniel today is in the Philippines. And um, I think he should be asleep right now. Or it's super, super early on, um, on Monday morning. I get the time thing mixed up. So... Anyway, but I, I think he's, um, they're probably sleeping right now, and uh, I believe today, which is Monday for him, they'll be traveling um, from Manila and probably going to, and I say probably because I didn't, I didn't see his itinerary, but they'll probably be traveling today to, um, to Lucena, which is a, another city where actually our missions base is. Um, and they may be going to a place called Mahaihai today. I know if they don't go today, it'll probably be tomorrow. Um, and Mahaihai, there's a mission school that they'll be speaking at this week. Um, BC Farmer, who normally teaches in our, our elementary class, he's with him. And um, actually, my brother-in-law and his son-in-law, Josh, who lives in Washington, is there with him as well. And so they're doing amazing things. I know that they spoke uh, at a church in the Manila area um, Sunday morning, and they had 35 receive Jesus. So that's an incredible thing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know, that's why we do what we do. Because there are those who haven't heard. There are those that haven't seen. There are those that haven't tasted the goodness of God. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. To let everyone know until whole world knows that God is madly in love with them. That's why we exist. Amen? Praise God. And there's a lot of people who don't know. I, I'm going to be bringing something next week. I'm still gathering some information. And actually, Pastor Susan is speaking next week, so we're pretty pumped about that. You guys don't get to hear from her very often. And so um, make sure that you're here for that. But, and also, we'll be having a presentation from the Gideons next week, which is always a good time. They're the ones that put the Bibles in hotel rooms. Um, and they're going to be coming and talking about what God has done through their ministry over the last year. Um, and it's just incredible the places that they go and, and the things that they do. And so uh, be prepared for that next week and, and set aside a special offering for them. Um, they are the number one distributor of Bibles in the world. Um, and they put the word of God in the hands of people all over the world. And so... Um, it's a, a very valuable thing. And then um, the, the other thing that I'm going to bring to you next week, and it kind of goes right hand in hand with that, I've got a friend, his name is Grady Pickett, and um, he is on the front lines in um, North Africa, and he has the opportunity to take um, Bibles and get them into places where Bibles aren't allowed. And so, and I'm being a little cryptic on that because um, we are broadcasting and we don't want to be crazy about that. But um, anyway, uh, he, he has an opportunity to do that. And he had a bunch of Bibles donated in some native languages where the Bible is not usually translated. And um, we have an opportunity to partner with him. Every one of these Bibles that he takes, um, is it costs around $4 to send that Bible into these, uh, these areas where the Bibles aren't allowed. And so um, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you and us as Word of Life to partner with him and, and let's get some Bibles into the hands that need them. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. So we're going to work on that. And next week I'm going to give you details and we'll stop the broadcast. Um, 
when we do that next week, okay? Um, but I wanted you to be prepared for those things. Um, we have uh, some bridge kids that want to be dismissed to their class today, and so if you guys would just head on out, our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders um, today, so excited about that. Good kids, good kids, facing a, uh, they, they go into a war zone every day, and we need to make sure that they're equipped, amen? Praise God, praise God. Well, today I'm going to talk about the revolution is here. Do we have the background, Dylan, or no? I didn't ask you that. Um, the revolution is here, and I wanted you to just kind of look at this, and maybe we don't have it, but here we go. You guys have seen me, uh, maybe, if you're on social media and you follow uh, what I do, you've seen that I've posted several things where I, I have in capital letters the love, and it's spelled backwards in the word revolution. Um, the, oh, look, marriage class. Um, it was in the announcements, huh, which makes it, okay. Um, but the revolution is here. We've been talking for about a year or year and a half saying that I feel like we're in a revival cycle. And maybe you're tired of me saying it, um, but I'm not going to stop. So I, I feel like we're in a revival cycle, and, and God is, is teaching us through this how to go out and how to reach this world. And so today, we're going to talk about this revolution, this love revolution that I believe is here. I don't believe it's coming. I believe it's here but we're not experiencing it in every aspect or every nook and every cranny, but we need to. And the reason we're not is because we're resisting. Maybe we're, we're not seeing it in some cases because we're not ready, or I think we're not seeing it because it's different and we don't really know what to think. So I'm going to open with prayer today, and then we'll get right into the Word of God. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it was sent to us to lead us and to guide us. God, I thank you that your word is spirit to us and it's life to us. God, it's the very air that we breathe. And so today, I call upon the Holy Spirit as our teacher and as our guide to lead us today. Reveal truth to us as you said that you would. It's not about what I say today, but God, it's about you speaking through me. I'm just a vessel. It's not about me. I pray that you'll use the message today to rise up in the hearts of people to go out and to accomplish what you have sent them to do and what you have called them to do because we're on the front lines today and we're fighting to make sure that your love is preached in every corner of this earth. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, I believe the revolution is here. A minute ago, we prayed and we all joined together. And you know I can't stay up here. So we, we all joined together and we prayed for our nation. We prayed for some of the things that were going on. And, and I had this message about 85% prepared before the events of this week. But I believe this, that in our nation and in our world, and this isn't political propaganda, and I'm not taking a stance. Um, we can talk about that at another time. This is not the venue. But I believe this. In our nation, in our world, we don't have a gun problem. We don't have a race problem. We don't have a Republican problem or a Democrat problem or a religious problem. We've got a love problem. We've got a love problem. We've got a problem because we don't know how to love like God loves. And because of that, because we have a love problem, all those other problems just stack up over and over and over again because the opposite of love is hate. So if we have a love problem, it means we also have a hate problem. If we have a problem with not enough love, we have too much hate. Jesus said, if you say you love me, but you don't love your brother, then the truth is not in you. We've got a love problem, and we've got to fix that. And the way we fix that is to get to know love. First John tells us God is love. Three words, three very powerful words that sum up the entirety of Scripture. God 
is love. I don't know how, if the scripture says God is love, that people can stand and they can say God hates this or God hates that. How do you say that? The scripture says God is love. And so the question is, how do we, how do we live love? How do we push love out of everything that we do? How do we come to a place where love is the rule? And what does that mean? We've got it all mixed up because a lot of times we've looked at it and we've said, man, yeah, love, but, but you've got to do it this way and you've got to do it that way because God has a standard and God has these things. That's why it's so different what over the last several years God has been doing in us and God has been doing in, in this church in particular with the grace message, the fact that God loves, it's without condition, God loves. Grace is without condition. He's poured it out on us. And the, the, the common criticism, and I even read it the other day, I read uh, somebody posting a, a, a thought that they had saying, I've, um, I've seen a lot of hurt because of a sloppy grace message that you can just do whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do, and God still loves you. I'm here to say, God still loves you. No matter what, God still loves you. Here's the thing, as we get to know love, see, the grace message is not about being a license to just do whatever you want to do. That's not what it's about. Anybody who thinks that that's what the grace message is about doesn't understand the grace message. It's not a license to just go and live however you want and just cruise through, and then when you die, boom, heaven. Paul said, if I'm only living for heaven, if I'm only resurrected in, in that life, then I'm of all men most miserable. But God has called you to a resurrection in this life. The resurrection in this life is to live above. It's to live above the circumstances. It's to live above the problems. See, God doesn't want you to sin. God doesn't want you to live that life. It's not because it offends Him. He's not offended by it. You're not shaming God. We've talked a lot about, well, what about, what about our witness? And you've heard that in church. Well, my witness needs to be this, or my witness needs to be that. I'll tell you what my witness needs to be. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. Paul said, I, I, I don't pretend to know anything except one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the one thing I know. I can make up things about all kinds of stuff. But I know one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I can tell you right off the bat, First thing, and you can tell, even if I didn't tell you, I'm a mess. On my best day, I'm a mess. But Christ in me is perfect. But Christ in me is overcome. And so every single day, grace is working in my life. Every single day when I sin, when I fall short of what I know that standard is. Uh, somebody said, uh, and I was talking to somebody one day, and they said, well, I believe that we need to get to the point where we never sin. I said, you'll never do it, ever. You'll never do it. You will never get to the point where you don't sin. And we've been so in bondage by this thought because we sin and then the enemy comes in with condemnation. He begins to hit us. I thought you said that you were a Christian. I thought you said that you wanted to follow after God. I thought you were witnessing to your co-worker and telling them how good God is. Well, I guess you just messed that up. Don't even try anymore. And the enemy comes in and he begins to work his work in our life. But God says, I know that you sin. I know that you fall short. But my grace is made perfect in your weakness. And my strength is enough for you. And so when we mess up, we say, thank you, Jesus, that that doesn't keep me down. But I get up off the mat and I go on. So Jesus, teach me more about you. Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Jesus, I made a mistake and it's hurt me. It's not your judgment on me, but it's hurt me. And sin hurts us. God, I know that that's not what you want for us. And so Jesus, teach me. Jesus, teach me to be more like you. 
Jesus, teach me to love like you love. John chapter 4, verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. It says, for his disciples had gone away into the city by food. It says, and then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I want to stop there for one second. We're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter in John 4. But I want to stop there for a minute. One of the things that brings criticism sometimes, can you guys hear that light acting stupid? Can you hear that, that like clicking? Sorry, it's bugging me. It's going off. One of the things that we hear sometimes that's a, a, a criticism is that, and there's even, the, I saw a meme the other day, and this is what reminded me of it, that the church has tried so desperately to be the world that we end up trying to be like a, a nightclub so that we can be like the world. I don't know. I guess I have to think about how nice I want to be. Um, you know, it, I think about this, that God has given us so many things at our disposal to package the message of Jesus. Now, if the church, and, and it has in some cases, but if the church becomes so consumed with everything else and Jesus becomes secondary, then you've got a problem. But if you're using everything at your disposal to reach people for Jesus, then more power to you. If you're, reaching every, if you're using everything at your disposal, Pastor Daniel says it this way, if there's something that's available to us to help reach people for Jesus and we don't use it, then shame on us. Shame on us. Because we've gotten more caught up in what we think should be tradition. You know, the, the, the New Testament never tells us one place. Or the, well, I say or the Old Testament. When they were writing the law, they did. But the New Testament, it never tells us one place in how church should be conducted. It doesn't tell us. It leaves it open-ended. And I believe it leaves it open-ended because church should look differently everywhere. Because the things that reach you don't necessarily reach people in another part of the country or another, another area or another city or another, or another country altogether. And so we've got to be sensitive to God's spirit because there's not a cookie cutter that says this is the way that you do it. I can't stand here and criticize somebody down the road because if they're doing what God told them to do and I'm doing what God told me to do, then we're going to reach this world. I'm not naive. I don't believe that everybody in Carlsbad should be in Word of Life Church this morning. But I do believe that these seats should be full. Because God hasn't called me to reach everyone in Carlsbad. Because I'm not the only one trying. I'm not the only one working. And we're all going to do it different. But God has called us to reach everyone collectively. Let me say this. God has not called me to reach every one of your coworkers, To reach every one of your friends. He's called you to do that. He's called you to do that. But we need to lead. So Jesus, he went and he talked to this Samaritan woman. You don't do that. You're not supposed to do that because Jews don't have dealings with Samaritans. You're not supposed to do it that way, Jesus. Don't you know that? Jesus didn't care about what he was supposed to do or how he was supposed to do it or how it had always been done in the past. He was led by the Holy Spirit and he did it. We've got to stop thinking about how it's always been done in the past. And we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit as a church and do it. 
It's not about how anybody else did. It's about what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Some have said, well, why aren't Christians? Where's the church standing up to immorality? Where's the church standing up to moral decay? I don't know what is meant by that. I don't know if we should be, if in the, the minds of some, if we should be reactionary to where something happens and then we have to get out our poster board and make a sign, go hold it somewhere. I don't know if that's what they think. Or if we should start calling people out on social media because we're not really brave enough to say it in person. So maybe that's what we should do. I don't know. I don't know what, what some expect, but here's what I think. I think our answer to moral decay, I think our answer to the problems in our society is Jesus. That's what I think. And Jesus is love. And so there's a revolution, and the revolution is not the way that maybe things have been done in the past. The revolution is we're leading by love. So here's what Jesus did. He goes and he talks to someone that he's not supposed to talk to. Later on, we see that this woman is hurting. Do you think Jesus knew that? I think he did. I think he did because the Holy Spirit told him. And so this woman is hurting. This woman has had a hard life. She's not someone that very many people even talk to. But Jesus did. He didn't do things conventionally, and he also didn't go in guns blazing, telling her how her sin was going to condemn her to a life in hell. But he went in, and he loved her. Verse 10, Jesus answered to her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, Sir, but you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? He goes in. She knows that he shouldn't even be talking to her, but he cared. Nobody else cared. Nobody else reached out. This last weekend, we got to host an event called The Night to Shine. We got to reach out to those sometimes people don't really care about. This week, looking back through the pictures, my gosh. Such a great, great night. That's what I'm talking about. Are we reaching out to those segments of society that people have forgotten? Are we reaching out? What's our niche? What's our place? I've been asking God for over a year, God, what's our niche? Yeah, we can keep trucking along. But we've been telling you since September that new things are happening. If you've been paying attention, you've been seeing them. But there's a new way of doing things. But God, what's our niche? I know what it is. I don't have to wait make you wait till the end. Can't leave early for lunch. I'll let you out on time. So, the woman says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered to tell her, whoever drinks of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks from the water that I'll give will never thirst. But the water that I give him, excuse me, will become in him a fountain of water springing into eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst so I don't have to come here and draw. And Jesus said to her, go and call your husband to come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have done well. Or I'm sorry, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. 
So Jesus right there, he established a relationship. He cared. He didn't go in guns blazing, but he cared. And he reached out to her because he knew that she was hurting. He knew that she was forgotten. He knew that she was beaten down. And then she said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Jesus says, here's my end. Here's my end. Because now she's intrigued. Now, have you ever noticed that when you establish a relationship with people, they get to know you, you're not trying to shove things down their throat or condemn them for things, then they begin to ask and it opens up opportunity. People begin to ask. See, we're just letting God do His thing. It's not up to me anyway. It's not about me anyway. So it opens up this opportunity. And the woman said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you, the Jews, you say in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we, worship, we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I believe when He says in spirit and in truth, He's saying here that the true worshipers worship God for who He is and honestly, not concealing anything, not holding anything back. In church for years and years and years, we felt like in order to come through the door, we had to put on our church clothes and our church face so that we could come in here. And we felt like we had to be a certain way and we had to not only impress the people around us, but we also had to impress God when we came in here. That if we raised our hands in worship just as an honest expression of worship, that the thing we did yesterday was going to come back and haunt us after service. Because everybody was going to be looking at us. And it didn't allow for real change in our life, but we just began to cover it up. We were worshiping what we didn't know. But he says, the day is going to come. And even now is. When the true worshipers, they worship the Father in spirit for who he is and in truth, honestly. Not concealing anything. I don't care if you come in here, you just had the most stupid night of your life, I'm not going to go into what that stupid night would be, but you get a good picture when you're walking on Las Vegas Boulevard at about 8.30 a.m. You see some of those stories. Jesus said, you're going to worship him honestly. Honestly. You're going to come to God honestly. I want this to be a place where you come to God honestly, where there's no judgments, where there's no preconceived ideas. You come in here broken so that you can have an encounter with the one who's going to put it back together. Praise God. Praise God. It says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am he. That's me. And at this point, the disciples came and they marveled that he was talking with this woman. See, the disciples remembered Jesus said they were going to get food and they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't comprehend what Jesus was doing. And they saw and they're like, whoa, bro, you're talking to a Samaritan. You're not supposed to do that. People might get the wrong idea. You're over there, you're talking to a Samaritan. They marveled at the fact, but it says no one said anything. He talked to the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? But the woman then left her water pot. This is interesting too. She left her water pot. That was secondary now because she heard some good news that was about to change her life. So she left her water pot. 
And she went into the village. And she said to the men of the village, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to him. The people were coming to Jesus because you showed love. See, he went to her and they began coming to him. In church, what we've done is we've opened up the doors and we put a sign up and we said, all right, everybody come to me. Everybody come to me. It's got to change. It's got to change. Jesus went to them. He went to them. It said, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, eat. And he said, I have food that you don't know of. And the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him food to eat? In other words, man, he sent us all the way into town to get him food. We come, he's like, ah, it's cool, I already ate. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. When Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again, it was finished. His work was finished. He says, do not, or do you not say. He looks at them and he said, do you not say. There are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. He's saying here, man, you guys don't get it. You guys don't understand what's going on here. See, you continually say, well, the harvest is coming, the harvest is coming, the harvest is coming. Ah, it's four months till the harvest. And you just keep saying, oh, it's coming, it's, it's coming, it's coming. Jesus said, no, it's here. Open up your eyes. See, while you were focused on food, while you were focused on going out and doing what you thought you had to do, see, I was about something else. I was thirsty, but I noticed an opportunity, and I began to talk to someone that society had forgotten, and I reached out to her, and I showed her the path to life, and she left her water pot here. Do you see that? She left that right here because she went back. I know she's going to come back for it, and when she comes back... She's going to bring other people with her because they want to hear the good news of what God has done for them and what the path that God has made for them. You were just focused on what you had to do. There was nothing wrong for them to go and get food. Open up your eyes. In our everyday life, there's nothing wrong with us going to work. You should. But open up your eyes. There's nothing wrong with you being involved in things outside of church. But open up your eyes. Open up your eyes. Don't say, oh, the harvest is coming. Oh, God, send somebody. God, please send some. I know a bunch of people that need church. God, send somebody. I'm going to passively, aggressively text this thing right here, and hopefully they'll get it. Open up your eyes because the fields are white unto harvest. He said, I've sent you to reap wages and gather fruits for eternal life. I sent you into this world, yeah, to do your thing, but to also reap wages for eternal life. That's what I sent you to do. He said, both who sows and who reaps may rejoice together. One sows and another reaps, but I sent you to reap where you haven't labored. Some would say, well, people just don't want to be passionate about God. Some would say, well, people don't want to hear those things now. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. People do want, people want answers. Because the church hasn't led with love, then they seek answers everywhere else. Because we haven't given them an answer. It's time to give them an answer. The love revolution is here. Now it's here. We need to lead. We need to lead. And when we go on, it says, I sent you to reap where you've not labored. And many, he says, and you have entered into their labors. Verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman. Not because of Jesus, because of the word of the woman that came. 
because she testified of God's goodness. Was she perfect? No way. No way. She was still the same messed up girl that went that morning to get water from the well. She went back and she began to testify of Jesus. And they came and many believed. See, I'm convinced that revival is here. I'm convinced that revival is here. But I see it in some places and I don't see it in other places. I'm convinced that revolution is happening. But it's happening with or without you. See, radical love is rising to the top, but are you rising with it? Are you rising with it? It's going to rise to the top, with or without you, but I don't want to be left behind. We've been called to be leaders in the revolution, and this is where I make my appeal. And I'm only like this far through my notes, and they're like that, and I've got like not very much to say. I told you I wasn't going to get done. It's all right. But here's the thing. This is where I make my appeal because we are at the forefront. We're on the front lines and we're leading this thing. That's why God has called us to this message. That's why God has been revealing love in us. Last summer, we did a project called Operation Mad Love. For those who did it, you saw awesome things. But I was very underwhelmed with the response. But I think we don't get it. It's hard to do something different. It's, it's radically different. What do we do? How do we do it? Here's what I need. I believe that God has given us a vision. I believe that God has given us a message that needs to be out to everyone. I need you. I'm going to share it one way or the other. Radical love is going to rise to the top. But I need leaders. I need leaders. See, I'm not asking you to do more. I'm asking you to open your eyes. I'm not asking you to do more. Man, I just don't have time to add anything else. Don't. So don't add anything else. I just need you to open your eyes and what you do every day. That's what he told the disciples to do. Just open your eyes. Open your eyes. See it. They're ready and they're coming in. I need leaders. Here's one thing that happens sometimes, and I'm just going to get down and get real here for just a minute if that's okay. Not that I've been fake, but I'm just saying. See, what happens a lot of times, we say, man, God is doing this, and we need this. But a lot of people wait until they get that personal call, that personal invitation. We don't have time for a personal invitation. We need you, all of you. This is your invitation. We need you to open your eyes. We need you to enlist. Being completely honest and completely open. There's a lot of outreaches that we have done in the past, and some of them we stopped doing because things changed and we weren't successful anymore. They weren't successful, and we needed to change. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to flow, and we need to change. But being completely honest, there are things that we don't do today that we used to do because we have trouble getting people to do it, volunteers, once again, I'm not saying you've got to give every moment of your life. That's not what I'm saying. But my appeal is open your eyes. My appeal is God is doing something different. God's not going to do anything that's going to stress you out. Open your eyes. We've stopped doing some things because of lack of, of hands and because of lack of finances. If you want me to be just straight up completely honest. But God's calling us to more. He's calling us to more. We've got a world to reach. It's an emergency. We see it every day. We've got a world to reach and we've got an answer. Why are we holding on to it? Why are we keeping it for ourselves? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14, it says, For by one offering 
He has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. See, we're learning to walk in our sanctification. Sanctification just means being set apart for a higher purpose. We are all learning to walk in that, all right? So he has perfected forever those that are being sanctified, but the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us for after that, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make in them. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. See, he has implanted his ways in us. And then he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. He says, but by, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus in a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let's consider one another to stir up love and good works. Pastor Daniel said last week, he said, those who taste religion, Say, this is good enough. But Jesus is offering us something better. The old wine, because they haven't tasted the new. Old wine, because they haven't tasted the new. We have a whole bunch of people who have tasted religion and we think just this is good enough. But Jesus is calling us to a new and living way. A new and living way. We've got to change. We've got to adapt. We've got to go out because we've got the creative God inside of us. Pastor Daniel has said this over and over and over again over the last several months. We have the, so many times that I'm tired of hearing it. He comes into the office and he says it every day. If you guys know Pastor Daniel on a personal level, you know that when he gets excited about something, he says it every day. He comes in and he says, we've got the creative power of God on the inside of us. We need to be creating new things, new ways to do things. Jesus has called us out. You just got to open your eyes. You just got to open your eyes. And then come, and then, then come. See, I, I think I started on this thought earlier, and maybe I didn't finish it as well as I should have, but God has given us a vision, so come with it. Come with it. Let's go. You got to trust us and go. See, I'm not talking about, and I think you have this one too, I'm not talking about a change in church. I'm not talking about a change in, in, in church in the walls. I'm talking about a change in the church. We are the church. I'm talking about a change in the church a change in how we respond, a change in how we open our eyes and we react. This world is in desperate need of love. This world has been beaten, they've been bruised, they've been broken, they've been slapped, they've been rejected, they've been distorted and devastated and crushed and betrayed and objectified and used and we do it to each other every single day because that's all we know. That's all we know. But Jesus has given us a new and living way. It's a better way to do things. We need to rise up and do it. First John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. It says, fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Well, what happens if I give a little bit? What happens if, if, if I open up my eyes? Am I opening myself up for rejection? Am I opening myself up? There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Go and open up your eyes. It's a revolution. It's a love revolution. See what happens here? Inside these walls, what happens here in the church 
is too small if it's not spilling out into the streets. It's too small if it's not spilling out into the streets. I'm tired of being small. I'm tired of thinking small. We need to be spilling out into the streets. We need to be bringing the revolution because the revolution's here. Love is reigning. Love is ruling. But we've got to step up. We've got to bring it. Romans 5.5, 5, and I'm almost done. Romans 5.5. 5. It says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, we've already got it. It's been poured out in our hearts. It's already done. Ezekiel prophesies. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to remove the stony heart from your flesh, and I'm going to give you a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. 36.26, I believe. Ezekiel. It says, because when we, this is Romans chapter 5, for when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely a righteous man one would die, but perhaps a good man one would even dare, but God demonstrates his love to us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we will be saved from wrath through him. That's the message that we have to share. That's the message that we have to get out. This is a revolution, but I need soldiers. I need leaders to stand up and say, I'm going to go share this message. I'm going to open up my eyes. I don't really know how to do it. I don't either. But he has put a new and living way on the inside of us. And he's poured it out in our hearts. Closing here with these thoughts. Story of the Good Samaritan. We see it in Luke chapter 10. Story of the Good Samaritan. We see the Good Samaritan. There was a man who was beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. People begin to walk by and they begin to see him. The thieves, they were the one who did it to him. And I'm going to bring you some symbolism here. And you can go back and read it. Luke 10. When the thieves came and they, they beat him up, it's like the enemy. Who in John 10.10, 10, Jesus calls the thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he left this person for dead. It says that they stripped his clothes, they wounded him, and they left him for dead. When they stripped his clothing, it represents the kingdoms that he had built for himself. We all have kingdoms that we built for ourselves. We're super proud of them. It's hard for us to lay them down. He stripped his clothing or the kingdoms that he had built for himself. They wounded him or they bruised him emotionally and they bruised him spiritually. Deep bruises. We come in, the people that we see out there and we pass every single day, they're much like you were stripped of everything that they thought they were. They're wounded. They're bruised emotionally. They're bruised spiritually. Left for dead or hopeless. They're left hopeless. Well, the priest came by. The priest should be the one, right? Represents the church. The priest should be the one. He's going to help out, right? Because of religious tradition, the priest wouldn't go out of his way to reach the one who was messy. How many times have the church, we won't change because we've always done it a certain way. We've always done it this way. We're not going to change to reach someone. telling you this, one of our core values, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. Core value number one. God is so madly in love with you that we'll do things that some view as insane. Make sure that you know. We haven't been crazy enough. 
The priest wouldn't go out of his way. He wouldn't cross the street because he always walked on the same side. The Levite, the Levite had strict adherence to the law, and the law would not allow him to associate with someone who had been worshiping other gods. Wouldn't allow him to associate with somebody who had worshiped other gods. So the Levite, he wouldn't go. It was messy. There were things that were unclean. I don't want to dip my hand in that because it might rub off on me. The Samaritan. The Samaritan. We talked about the Samaritan woman at the well. Jews weren't supposed to associate themselves with the Samaritan. See, the Samaritan woman was an outcast. The Samaritan man was an outcast. The Samaritan comes by. He sees the man on the street. He was an outcast. He was already the impure one. The Levite thought he was up here. Samaritan, he was like, I'm already impure. I'm already messed up. Sound familiar? The Samaritan's like, I know what it's like to be forgotten, to be avoided. When Jews would travel, they would go out of their way to go around Samaria. I know what it's like to be avoided. I know what it's like to be forgotten. I know what it's like to be the one who doesn't fit in. The, the Samaritan went, took care of the man. The first thing he did was he took care of his wounds. He didn't ask questions. He met the immediate need to build relationship. Guys, we go in guns blazing. We go in with our self-righteous church mode. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. When we go in as somebody who's been forgiven, we take care of their needs and their wounds. It says that he poured in the oil and the wine for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to him in a gentle way. He didn't try to shove it down his throat. But he poured in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He cared for him. And then he put him on his donkey and he bore his burdens. Took care of him. See, I've been seeking God for our niche. I've been seeking God, saying, what sets us apart? God, what's our niche? There, there are churches who are doing tremendous things to take care of the poor. And Jesus gave us a mandate to take care of the poor. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. But is our church supposed to be built on ministry to the poor? It's not. It's not, but others are. That's why I said it takes all of us. Here's one thing that we do is we give to those ministries who care for the poor. Because why do I need to go out and try to duplicate something that God's called somebody else to do? I just need to help them. I just need to help them. So it's not our niche. Some places have an outstanding women's ministry or an outstanding men's ministry. That, that's not what God's called us to do. But it's what he's called some to do. We should help them. But I just knew, and, and Pastor Daniel and I have talked about these things. It's not our niche. It's not our niche, but God's changing us. So what's our niche? Our niche is to lead in love. Our niche is to lead in love. All forms of people. Every picture of family, there's all kinds of families. Every crack in society and show that there's a God who is insanely head over heels in love with them, that he literally laid everything on the line for the chance to have relationship with them. For to know him and to accept his gift of freedom, that's what we're called to do for you to know His grace, 
for you to give him permission to build his life in you so that you don't have to feel hurt, so that you don't have to feel heartache, so that you don't experience the crumbling of all you hold close to your heart. But you know that God's love in you stood as substitute. His love was crushed so you can be strong. His love was bruised so you can be whole. His love was murdered so that you could be alive. That's the love that we have to show. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. So what I'm asking you to do, this is a call to action service. What I'm asking you to do is join the revolution. Guys, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Our next big outreach that we're doing is our Easter egg hunt. It's on March 31st. I need people there because we have about 3,500 or 4,000 people that come out to that event. So I need you there. And I want to do it different. I don't want to be the same old Easter egg hunt. Because God's called us to do things different. How do we show God's love? I want every one of those 4,000 people to know that God loves them. Every single one of them to know that God loves them. It seems like a simple message, right? I want them to know. I want them to know. In the summer, we're going to do Operation Mad Love again where we're going to blitz our community. I want you to be thinking right now, what can I do to blitz my community? Last year, we did some out-of-the-box things. We had a couple of people. I wish it was a dozen people. We had a couple that went and washed windows at the drive-in when people were waiting in line to get in. We had people that went and put quarters in at the car wash and people were getting their car washed. Put quarters in and said, this one's on us because Word of Life loves you. God loves you. We had people that passed out water bottles when people were running down at the beach and the water bottles said, God is madly in love with you. No strings attached. People can't believe that you're not selling it. They can't believe it. Because you do that all the time, right? How much is it? It's a dollar. We're raising money for this or for that. I'm not belittling that. We all do it sometimes for kids' sports and for all kinds of things, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But this one's on us because God loves you so much. We did a free pancake breakfast. This was all in a two-week period of time, but we could have done so much more. But this year's going to be bigger. But here's what I want. I want there to be more things that happen because it can't all come from me. If it's all coming from me, just one person, I'm doing what God called me to do. But I need it to come from you. Just open your eyes. That's all you've got to do is open your eyes. You don't have to have a group that does it. Just open your eyes. I was eating lunch with somebody one day um, this was recently, like very recently. And we were eating lunch. And uh, this guy, he's a giver. In his life, that's what he, he's a giver. And him and I, and we're talking about business and some other things. We're talking about church. And the waitress comes up and he said, you see those people over there? Um, give their check to me. But I don't want them to know who it was. And I said, do you know them? And he said, no, they just caught my eye when I came in. God wants me to buy them lunch. All right. Have you ever done that? I've never done that. Honestly, I've never done that. Could we do that? Sure we could. How do we show His love? Just open your eyes. Open your eyes. I hope that made sense today. I powered through it a little bit. Man, we need it so bad. God, we need, a, we need a revolution. And it's here and it's right in front of us. God's love is so great. We've got to get the message out. Guys, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. 
for your love, for your goodness, for your acceptance. God, I thank you that you have blessed us. I thank you that your hand is on us, that you've reached out to us. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed today. You're in here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I want to ask you to do that today. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. So whether you're in here or you're online today, if you've never received Jesus, I want you to know that He gave Himself for you, He died for you, and He rose again for you, and His love for you is so great. If you want to receive Him today, I want to ask you to just say this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everybody that's in here to say it with us as a show of support to those who haven't. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.